to 3 John. 3 John. You almost could just flip to the very back and turn back a few pages and you'll find 3 John. And you might miss it. You could pass it that quick and right there. 3 John tonight. Now I have a question for you tonight. What, which book of the Bible is the shortest? What's the shortest book of the Bible? Okay, William and Avon both had their hands up together, so I want you both to say at the same time. I'm going to give you, on the count of three, you both say at the same time. One, two, three. Second John. The reason you say Second John is because there is only 13 verses in Second John, and in Third John, there's 14. But I'm going to help you out tonight and say that that answer is wrong. Third John is shorter than second John. Say why? They didn't include verses in the Bible. That was added later on for our benefit. And in the Greek, just so you know, third John is only 219 words and second John is 245 words. So the real shortest book in the Bible is third John. Now, for a long time, I would have said the same thing as you would there of second John. But now you can tell people the Greek is only 219. That, that makes you sound pretty smart, right? When you say the Greek's only 219, you can't pronounce one of the words, but it's only 219, and then, and then there were no verses back in those days. Aren't you grateful? I'm grateful that they broke them down into verses. If I would have just said, turn to 1 Corinthians. Now, find chapter 13. There is, if there was no chapter, you'd be like, look for this verse on charity or something like that. So I'm grateful that that happened. So 3 John is where we are tonight. And so... As we look here, this is a letter that was written, and this letter, as we look here, is very short, 14 verses, 219 words as we looked at, but you'll notice something about John in his letters that he wrote. You'll notice that in 2 John, we saw the truth and love are not competing forces, but they complement each other. But what we see right away in 3 John here is, John is still talking about the truth. Look at verse number one. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I loved in the Lord. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I, greatly re- for I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So once again, we see the word truth is mentioned over and over again. This is a theme through John's books as we look at them, and as we study them. And so as we look here tonight, we see right away, we see the Bible starts out the elder. The elder is referring to John here. John was writing, you know, the Greek word for elder is used as an older person. Or like a leader in a church. So elder is used in two different ways in the scriptures. And so John only refers to himself in his older age as an elder in last book that we read, 2 John, as well as 3 John here. And so when we look at this and we get ready to dive in tonight, we're going to read the entire chapter, the rest of it. We'll get a few thoughts tonight and then we'll be on our way. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll look at verse number 5. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the time that we have to be in your house. Pray to bless our study tonight. Help it be profitable and prosperous. We love you. We need you. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Verse 5, Beloved, thou dost faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have bore witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence among them, received us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, and he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true." I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee, our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. We looked at last week in Second John, how in Second John, John taught that real love requires truth. Be careful with your associations and with who you fellowship with. Then watch out for deceivers, those that desert the faith. And as we look at those things and the dividers, in 3 John here tonight, it's, it's kind of opposite. Instead of warning not to fellowship with certain people, it's an encouragement to be sure you do fellowship. The fellowship's important. And as we look here and you think about in 2 John, love requires truth. But it's not real love if truth is compromised. In 3 John, a love for truth requires demonstration of that love. There must be, that must be shown. It's not love if it's not demonstrated. Dead works, you think about this, faith without works is what? It's dead. And so as we look at this tonight, as we look at this passage of Scripture we see three different people mentioned in this book besides John. John's the elder. But we see three different types of church members. I'm going to give you the three names that are listed, a brief intro for each of them, and then I'm going to give you ten thoughts tonight that could change our Christianity with one another in the church from this passage. The first person we see here is Gaius. Or Gaius, you can say it either way. And he, he, is, he literally, he was the devoted one. We see right away in verse number one, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And Paul, and Paul, John goes through some things here. But Gaius, he was the devoted one. This is who the letter was written to, because you knew he would get the letter to the church. The second person we see here is Diotrephes. He was the dominant one. He's the one that was trying to make a name for himself. Verse number 9 talks about him. And I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence among them, received us not. 
Think about this. Diotrephes wouldn't even receive the apostle John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Why do you think that John wrote this letter to Gaius and not to Diotrephes? Because Diotrephes probably wouldn't have given this letter over to everyone. And plus, when he saw these negative things about him, of course he's not going to turn it over. But he was the dominant one. And then you have Demetrius. And in verse 12, it talks about Demetrius had good report of all men and of the truth itself. And so we think about Demetrius here. He was just a delightful one. When people think of him, only good thoughts come. Three people mentioned here. Gaius, Diotrephes, and Demetrius. Every church has all three of these in there. I'm not going to tell you who you are tonight. That's not my job. I pray the Holy Spirit talks to you about which one you are. Maybe if you're more like one, you might stop being like number two and be a little different, but that's for the Holy Spirit to work on your heart. And if he's working on you about this tonight, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit trying to help you be better. But which one are you? Would you be the devoted Christian, the devoted member? Would you be the dominant member that everything needs to be about you? Everything needs to make you look good and everything about you. Or are you a delightful one where there's nothing but good to say? Let the Holy Spirit work on your heart. What kind of a church member are you? We see two good examples and one bad example. As we look at this passage tonight, I think we could see ten lessons from this passage that could help us in our relationships with our church members and with one another as John wrote this passage. So for a few minutes, I don't think I'm going to be very long. We might actually get done early tonight. Don't hold your breath because you might have to hold it a little too long and you might pass out on me. But let me give you ten things. Number one, And let me just give you this. Don't look at this list of ten things that you could do to help yourself in the church and help your... Maybe find one or two that you could grow in. Maybe not all ten, but maybe some. The first one is this. Learn to express your love. Express your love. Verse number one. John right away. And you see this all through John's writings, don't you? You just see love all through his writings. It's everywhere to be found. And I don't think of a, dis, of a disciple or any of Jesus' followers who talk more about love than John does. Express your love. Look at verse number one. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Everyone loves to be encouraged. Everyone loves to know that they're loved. Say, I don't. You're a liar. Do you like being disliked? Is there anyone in the room that likes to be disliked? You like people to be mad at you. And you like to, there, there probably are a few people in this world that are that way. But for the most part, people like to feel loved and appreciated. Am I correct? Hey, for your fellow church family, let's t- you can carry this to relationships. Be it your spouse, be it your children. You can put this... Wherever the Holy Spirit leads you to think on tonight in these areas, use it in any of those relationships and things in life. 
But you think about this, learn to express your love to those people around you. Send a text. Write a note. Thank someone personally. Talk good about someone to someone else. When's the last time we did that? No, a lot of times it's we're talking bad about someone to someone else, right? That's normally how it goes. But I was taught if you don't have something nice to say about someone, you just shouldn't say anything at all, isn't that? That's what my mom taught me. I don't know if, that, if moms still teach that today. That's what my mom taught me. But learn to express your love. Someone does a, Caroline does a great job playing the piano on Sunday. Thank her for her work that goes into it. Someone, the, those kids did a great job with their special on Sunday. Should have gone up and said, hey, you guys did a great job. Thank you for singing to the Lord. Whoever does the food for an event, thank them for doing the food. Say, well, it wasn't my favorite. Then go to McDonald's and get your own meal there. Be grateful they only charged you five bucks. You could have been charged more and not liked it, right? Whatever the case may be. But learn to express your love. And that's hard for people. Sometimes that's even harder for guys to do, right? Thanks. I just nod my head. That's good enough. Guys, if you can't learn to express your love to your wife and in words, in notes, you're not going to go very far. You better learn to express it. In a church, we need to learn to express love to one another. We... It's very natural in a church for people to express when they're upset about something or when, there's, when they're divided on something. But learn to express your love. John was very good at this and starts out with the letter, whom I love in the truth. Number two, wish for blessing on others. Wish for blessing on others. Look at what John says, verse number two, beloved. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. We should not rejoice when someone stumbles, correct? We shouldn't rejoice when someone's hurting. Rejoice not in iniquity. Doesn't that what the Bible says? But you got to understand, but wish for blessings on others. But God hasn't blessed me. Why should I want God to bless them? Maybe God would bless you if you would learn to hope the best for others. I'm doing my best, and look at what I get out. No one deserves, no, 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 no. Just, where was John at when this was written? He's probably being persecuted somewhere, to some degree. And he's like, here, hey, hey, Gaius, let me tell you about what's going on in my life. No, I wish the very best for you. I hope your health is well, and I hope that you prosper. And let me just say this. John meant what he was saying here. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to actually mean it. Do you know what would transform our relationships with one another in church? If we had learned to express our love and learned to wish for blessings on others. You hear someone gets a new car, and you're like, <clears throat> wish I got a new car. Is that how Christ wants you to act? Really? They got a promotion at work. Oh, I wish I got the promotion at work. Be grateful they got the promotion. 
That's how a Christian would act. Wish for blessings on others. We see John doing this right here. Number three, rejoice in others' successes. Man, this, this just sounds like Christianity to me, doesn't it? Learn to express your love. Wish for blessings on others. Rejoice in others' successes. Look at verse number three. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. And John's like, man, I hear these great reports about you, and I rejoice in what God is doing in your life. And someone comes and we hear how great... rejoice when other people do well it's part of christianity isn't it but i'm not doing well you can rejoice with someone when they're doing well that's what true christianity is all about rejoice in other successes how about this one bring joy to those who have invested in you bring joy to those who have invested in you verse four look at verse number four John's word, greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. John had invested in a lot of people. And he said some of the greatest joy in all of his life was to hear that those that he invested his time into were walking in the truth. Let me give you a little thought right here. You want to know the best thing you can do for your pastor tonight? Are you ready? It's not give me a million dollars. Although that could be second. The greatest thing you can do for your pastor is this walk and follow God. I have people often tell me, Pastor, what could I do for you? What can I do? Just follow the Lord and walk in truth. There's nothing greater than to be able to see those that you minister to follow God and follow him in truth. But there's nothing harder than seeing those that you pour and invest in turn away from God and his truth and walk away from it. And there's nothing you can do about it. Bring joy to those who've invested in you. Everyone in this room, someone's invested in you. None of us have gotten to this point on our own. If you think you've gotten to this point on your own, you're fooling yourself. There have been a lot of people that have invested in you to get you to this point. Bring joy to them by walking in the truth. Number five, bring others to Christ. Say, bring others to Christ? Yeah, because John said he had no greater joy than to hear that his children walked in truth, right? which meant that he brought people to the Lord. In the Christian life, being a Christian, doing the things of God, you need to learn to bring others to Christ. You need to have little spiritual children that you bring. A, someone that you meet, a friend, or a friend that you help lead them to the Lord. Then you help them take those baby steps and grow in the Lord. And later on, you see what has happened in their lives and see that you had a part in that. There's nothing greater. There's no greater joy in life than to see people that you've helped in the Lord. There's nothing like it. But you better learn to bring people to the Lord. And you can't make anyone make a decision for the Lord, but you can tell everyone you know. 
and bring others to Christ. Number six, be generous in your giving and your hospitality. Be generous in your giving and your hospitality. Look at what it says about Gaius here in verse 5. Beloved, thou hast faithfully, thou doest faithfully whatever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have bore thee of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sword, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Man, look what the, the Bible says here about this man, Gaius, and how he acted. And we see what, the, whatever he doeth faithfully, and he does it to the brethren and to strangers. He helped people in the Lord. He was generous. And this was brought up right here. Be generous. Be generous in your giving. Be generous in giving to missionaries to get the gospel around the world. Be generous in your hospitality with, and how you help people. Number seven. Pride and the desire for power are enemies of love and service. Pride and a desire for power are enemies of love and service. Verse number 9, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence among them, receive us not. I've been pastoring over 10 years now. One of the biggest problems I run into are people who claim to have a desire to love God and want to serve him. But at the end of the day, they're doing what they do to build themselves up, and they desire to have power. It's the enemy of what the church is supposed to be doing. Love and service. We are not here to build us a name. Let's make sure we understand a few things. This is not Pastor Brian's church. I've never claimed for it to be Pastor Brian's church. And it will never be Pastor Brian's church. It's Christ's church. We're not building a church here for Pastor Brian. We don't clean the building for Pastor Brian. We don't work in the yards out here for Pastor Brian. This is Christ's church. We clean up around here for Christ. We do what we do for Christ. You're not helping me by teaching the kids. You are doing the Lord's work when you do it. We're not here building a name for a pastor. We're not here building a name for a teacher. We're not here building a name for a musician. We're here to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. This is not a power trip around here. We're not in it for pride. And there will be times where the pastor will flex his muscle a little bit when doctrine or there are other issues that pop up, and I'm not ashamed of that, and you can study the Bible and see that that's called for. But at the end of the day, this is all about the Lord and his work. If you desire power, Go get a job somewhere and get power there. 
Don't come to church desiring power because you don't need power. Well, let me rephrase that. You do need power, but it's the Holy Spirit power in your life that you need. And that will teach you some temperance and some meekness, and you won't have a desire for power. You've got to be very careful. Don't confuse, you've got to be careful that we don't confuse personal ambition with a zeal for the gospel. This church is not about your name or mine. It's about his name. But what Diotrephes, when we read these things about him in this passage right here, those problems still exist today. There are those who still manipulate and still try to maneuver so that they can have preeminence in the church. None of us need preeminence in the church. That Christ should have the preeminence. When we do something around here, and make sure you get me well and you hear me well tonight, when we work and we serve God around here, it's to give, to build Him up. If you're getting built up in what you do, you might as well stop because you're defeating the whole purpose. Pride has ruined many a pastor and many a laborer for the Lord. But pride and desire for power are enemies of love and service. Think about others first in your words and in your actions. Next, number eight, watch your words. Watch your words. Verse 10, talking about theotrophy still. Wherefore, if I come, I'll remember his deeds which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words. And not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Be careful about how you talk about God's children. Be careful how you talk about God's servants. Be careful. Watch your words. Next. Look for good examples to follow. I know these are a lot of points here tonight, but if we could pick up on even a couple of them, it could revolutionize our relationships with one another. Look for good examples to follow. Verse number 11. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, and he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Look for good examples to follow. Number 10. Live for a good name. Demetrius hath good report of all men. That should be all of our desire. A good name is rather to be chosen in the great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold, the scripture tells us. Because you see, this is, this is what I love about this. You see right here, his reputation, what others thought about him, matched what God knew about him. That should be what we strive for each and every one of us. Let's just review these real quick tonight. How you could change your Christianity, or even how you could just help in your church. Number one, and Joe, just put them up on the screen as we go through. Express your love. 
Think with me tonight of someone in the church that could use some encouragement. And before Sunday, reach out and encourage them and express your love to the Lord to them. Think of someone. Think of one person. Start there. Number two, wish for blessing on others. Wish for blessing on others. We should be praying that God would bless those that we know, our fellow church members, that God would enrich them, bless them, prosper them. When's the last time you prayed for good health for your fellow church members? Last time you prayed for your own good health. Number three, rejoice in other successes. Be happy for others when good things happen to them. Be happy when someone gets a new car. Be happy when someone gets a new house. You know, just just this week, I think it was or last week, Kristen White, she's been coming to church here a while, and uh, Rebecca's daughter, and I am so excited for them. They finally got a house. Been living in an apartment for years. She's a hard worker. She loves God. She gives to the Lord. I am so thrilled that she's able to have a house now. But I could look and say, I only rent, I wish I owned a house. Well, the, the bank owned it. I'm thrilled for them. She uh, waited a long time, and I'm hap- so happy. Rejoice in others when they have successes. It's a great thing. Number four, bring joy to those who've invested in you. Walk in the truth. Stick with the truth. Don't get sidetracked from the truth. Number five, bring others to Christ. I know sometimes it gets hard and you look at it and it's like I always try to invite someone. I always try and do this and then they never come. You never know when it's finally going to hit them. Just keep doing it. Don't get weary in well-doing. For a due season we'll reap if we faint not. Number six, be generous in your giving and your hospitality. And the Bible says that Gaius here did it not only to his fellow members, but also strangers. Now, I'm not telling you to go find the closest homeless person down the road and give them a $100 bill. I'm not telling you to do that tonight. But there would be nothing wrong with finding a homeless person and taking them a meal. There would be nothing wrong with that. I don't just give cash out to people because you never know what that cash could be used for. There'd be nothing wrong with getting a gift card for groceries, things of that nature. Whatever the Lord leads you to do. Number seven, pride and a desire for power are enemies of love and service. Think about this. Do you ever have contention with a fellow church member? Do you know where contention comes from? Only by pride cometh contention. There will never be contention where there's no pride present. When we have contention in our marriages, it's pride. When we have contention in our relationships, it's pride. Pride and desire for power are enemies to what we're trying to do. Number eight, watch your words. You know that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The person that said that was just plain out dumb. Because that's not true. Words matter. Words hurt. 
Words are remembered a long time. Especially if you're female, you really remember words for a long time. Number nine, look for good examples to follow. John makes it clear here. Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Look for good examples to follow. God places in the church some good examples, but also in the church you're going to find some bad examples too. Be wise in those things. Number 10, live for a good name. You say, well, why does, it, why does my name need to be good? You represent the king of kings. And David, when he did the things he did, he gave the enemies an occasion to blaspheme the name of God. People know you're a Christian. Well, I hope they know you're a Christian. So we should be trying to live up to that title as best as possible. What type of a church member are you tonight? Are you like Gaius, devoted to the truth in spiritual matters? Faithful, loving, generous? Are you like Diotrephes? Are you proud, power-hungry, gossip, selfish, unkind? Are you like Demetrius, with a good reputation, a good manner of life, a right attitude, right actions? I would strive to be number one and three and try to do my best not to be number two. If we're not careful, number two tries to creep into all of our lives. But let's not let pride and power drive us. Let's our love for Christ and following him and pointing people to him be what drives us to what we do. Father, we love you.